This is an NC Baptist resource. For more, visit ncbaptist.org. Welcome to the NC Baptist Podcast, the podcast designed to engage with ministry leaders around topics that will explore approaches and resources to help us be on mission together. It's because of your generosity that this resource is available. Learn more at ncbaptist.org slash give or contact us at communications at ncbaptist.org. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the NC Baptist podcast. My name is Seth Brown, Director of Convention Relations for NC Baptist. I am thrilled to have not one, but two guests with me today. First, we have Daniel Rose, who just recently came on staff with us as a student ministry strategist. Welcome, Daniel. Thanks, Seth. Thanks for having me on. And we also have Harrison Smith joining us via Zoom, who serves on staff with one of our partners called Alliance Defending Freedom. Thanks for joining us, Harrison. Good to be here. I really appreciate you both taking the time to talk about some cultural and legal issues that are top of mind for many of our churches. In addition, as we're recording this, addressing some of these issues, Religious Liberty Sunday is right around the corner on July 2nd. So this is a great time to talk about some of the challenges and the opportunities that we're facing. Where this starts for me personally is I don't know if I've encountered a single North Carolina Baptist that doesn't feel, one, some measure of concern about the trajectory of gender and sexuality in American culture, and then two, how that is coming into conflict with their biblical convictions about gender and sexuality. And I think those concerns are heightened, amplified even more when it comes to our children and the students and the issues that they are facing, whether it be in the community, in school, in media, and other places. So I want to get into some of that, but before we get into the weeds on those issues, Harrison, would you take just a moment and tell us about ADF and how it got started? Certainly. So Alliance Fending Freedom, were the world's largest religious liberty law firm, and we were founded back in the early 90s by over 30 different ministries, groups like Focus on the Family and Crew, Crown Financial, kind of the who's who of the uh, national ministries back in, in the early 90s. And they got together because each in their, their own way, each of them were running into a religious liberty legal problem that was preventing ministry. So, for example, uh, Crew back then, Campus Crusade for Christ, they were being physically kicked off campus for so-called separation of church and state. And Dr. Bill Bright said, listen, we have a right to be here. We have a freedom of speech, freedom of religion that's codified in the First Amendment, but no one's defending it. And because no one's defending it, it's like it doesn't exist. And the downstream impact of that is we are now being kicked off of campus. Uh, And the other 29 plus ministries, similar issue, again, legal, religious liberty issue, preventing ministry. So they founded Alliance Defending Freedom. We opened our doors in 1994 with the goal of keeping the legal doors open for the gospel. Fast forward to about 2015 when same-sex marriage was legalized in the Obergefell decision at the U.S. Supreme Court. And at that point, we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pastors calling in saying, okay, ADF, we don't have a lawsuit on our hand yet, but we see where the culture is headed. We see how the laws are changing, and we know it's only a matter of time before we get in trouble on this. So what do we need to do to prepare? At the time, again, circa 2015, 2016, 
Um, Alliance Mending Freedom really didn't have an answer. This was asking for for proactive legal help. And and more or less up until this point, we had been reactive. Uh, We are a ministry, but we're a law firm. And because we're a law firm, uh, our ministry up to that point had been, you know, when you got sued and needed an attorney, come in and we will help you and serve you. Um, But this was asking for how do we stay out of trouble? So hopefully we never have to call you. Um, So at that point, we created this program and and the legal team that I work on, which is called the Church and Ministry Alliance. And that's where we have a partnership with the NCB. We'll get to that a little bit later. Um, But now um, we're focusing on, again, keeping the doors open for the gospel and, and defending believers and defending the truth in court. But we're also trying to get ahead of the curve, be proactive um, and and we are we're actually taking some offensive moves uh, now, which we'll talk about also yeah, here in a little bit. Awesome, thank you, Harrison. So let's talk students and and kids for just a minute. Daniel, you've served in various student ministry contexts, and uh, we just so happen to be right in the middle of vacation Bible school and student camp season. Uh, would you talk to us about some of the most common questions and concerns that churches? receive from from their students and from the parents of those students. Yes, Seth. I think you mentioned gender identity and sexual orientation as being one of the top concerns now both parents and students are dealing with. And the reality is where we're at in our culture right now is that if you're not actively promoting the LGBTQIA plus agenda, then you're an enemy of them. There's no kind of room to be in disagreement with them without being an enemy. And what that's done is that's provoked a lot of fear in our students of not knowing how they can respond to stand on biblical principles and just worry and anxiety. And the reality with this issue of gender identity and sexual orientation is the culture has made it such an identity issue. So if you have a student who's struggling, let's say, with a sin and an issue and they're stealing, they primarily don't see themselves as a thief they see their sin as stealing more as an action. Or the same thing with the student who's lying. They see their sin more as an action than their identity of who they are. But the reality with sexual orientation and gender identity specifically, the culture has made that such an identity sin that this is not something that I do or an action that I've done. It's actually who I am. And the reality is when you stand against that, and the Bible's definition for sexual orientation and and gender identity Now you're no longer attacking an action that someone's done, but you're standing against who they are as a very person. And that strikes the identity. And that's just led a lot of fear in both students and parents, just really looking at that from a pastoral perspective. And what we want to remind our families and our students is that our primary identity is not heterosexual male. It's not even a husband. It's not a father. But our primary identity as believers is a son or a daughter of the king. And that's where our identity is, and that's the stance that we have. So I'm encouraging our parents um, in this and our students in this to really remember where our true identity is. But another issue that I see, a question that's come to occurring a lot in children's ministry and student ministry alike, is this question of safety. Safety is um, not a new thing, but the way that we're looking at it in our culture is a new way. Long gone are the days where, hey, go outside and play and come back before it gets dark. Right? Those days are gone. We've had many technological advances, and with that, parents have a new look into their kids' lives that they didn't have before. Most of our parents are constantly tracking their students' every movement on their phone. They're expecting their students to text and check into them at a certain amount of time. And although most of those things are good and they provide safety, they've also had a side consequence of worry 
anxiety and fear, both on the parents' end and the students' end. So as a student pastor or student leader in your church, safety is something that we've never not taken seriously, but we have to measure our degrees of how well we're taking care of our kids to a new level. Like gone are the days of just expecting parents to drop their kids off in the parking lot, find some random youth room on the campus, and then just have them leave and get picked up again. And two questions that I see parents asking specifically as far as safety is, who is discipling my kid and what are you teaching them? So as a student pastor or as a youth leader or a kid's pastor or a kid's minister, the way that we can take a very simple step is, one, help connect them to the people who are teaching their classes or discipling them or mentoring them, help connect the family to the discipler, and then, two, make the resources or the curriculum that we are teaching them available so then after Sunday we can pass the baton of discipling the kids to the primary disciple makers, the parents, through the week. So I would just encourage our, our student pastors and our pastors in that, in the, both of those ways. And many of you might feel that you have to navigate these conversations of safety or gender identity alone, and that's not the case. We are a movement of churches on mission together so that you do not have to navigate these conversations alone. And that's why we are churches that are doing that. And one of the things that we're doing on a student ministry level is connecting networks of local student pastors to connect together so that you can have other brothers and sisters that are leading youth ministries in your corner as you're navigating these things in your town. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Daniel. Speak to the the student pastors, the student leaders, the children's directors, whoever's in that sort of position in the local church. How can those folks foster healthy conversations with students and parents around those issues? I think the first thing that we need to do is to listen actively. We jump to provide a solution before we've truly listened. So when you're out to dinner with families in your church, listen to them. Ask questions. Clarity is kind and figure out what are students and families actually struggling with. And don't discount a parent or student's emotion on an issue just because it might be different than your feelings or your emotions on a certain issue. One thing that I've um, practiced most of my ministry by is this statement, is that no one cares what you know until they know that you care. I'll say that one more time. No one cares what you know until they know that you care. And for us as children's ministers or student ministers, youth leaders, we have to do the work of relational investment into students. Because the reality is we all have students who are dealing with these gender issues, these safety issues, all a bunch of other questions. But unless you have the relational trust with your students and your parents, they're going to keep up this facade and not actually let you in to the discipleship of these real issues that they're struggling with. Philippians 4 verse 5 says that we should be known by our graciousness to everyone, and that should let people know that the Lord is near. So as we're dealing with these issues, I think it's really important that we are known as believers or as pastors or as leaders by our graciousness. One more thing that I would say to this is discipleship, it moves at the speed of relationships. So we can only disciple someone to the extent that we have a relationship with them, or another way to say that is the depth of the relationship you have with the family will have a direct correlation to the depth of discipleship you'll be able to take their student. So what do you practically do today? My encouragement through scripture and through the verse in Philippians is to practically this week do the investment or the hard work of building that relationship. So then when these hard issues of gender identity or sexual orientation come to play, you are a trusted adult or a trusted pastor who these students want to bring into their life. 
is if you don't have that relationship with them, they're going to go somewhere else. And the reality is all of our students live in a digital Babylon where they are digitally being told all of these different things. And Barna's done a recent study where about 70% of teenagers 12 to 18 years old have questioned their sexual orientation. And online, they're constantly questioning that. But if we have a trusted adult who loves them, who cares for them, who's mentoring and discipling them, then when these doubts come up, they feel like you are a safe haven to come to and to talk about these issues that culture is telling them one thing, and they can trust you with the Word of God on their end. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. Well, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to talk more about religious liberty issues and how a partnership between North Carolina Baptists and ADF can be a huge benefit to our churches. We'll be right back. Prayer is our first and primary strategy. Join other NC Baptists on mission together for a focused prayer initiative throughout 2023 to pray for unreached people groups in North Carolina NC Baptist missionaries and church planters. Visit PrayNC.org to sign up for weekly emails and download resources or text PrayNC to 919-925-6525. Follow at NC Baptist on social media and download the NC Baptist mobile app. Thank you for committing to praying for the nations. Listeners, thanks for staying with us. We're going to dive right back in. Harrison, we know that American churches don't face the same violence and persecution that many of our brothers and sisters do around the world, but that doesn't mean the Christian faith isn't being threatened at all here in America. Uh, Can you tell us what you see on the legal front that churches should be aware of? Yes, and let me, I loved what Daniel was saying, I think he's spot on. And churches, you're very lucky to have the North Carolina Baptists in your corner to be able to get you resources on this. Because I'll say one of the first things that we hear from pastors is they just want help navigating these things. So thankful that North Carolina Baptists can help in that regard from a theological standpoint. So from the legal side, two things come to mind. One, what we call SOGI laws, a sexual orientation gender identity, non-discrimination law. That's a mouthful. That's why we call it SOGI. Um, So a SOGI law mirrors the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which most of us are familiar with. It's the law that says, you know, there are certain categories of people that you're not allowed to discriminate against. Um, And those categories are, you know, age, race, religion, gender, et cetera. And you're not allowed to discriminate against those protected classes of people in three areas, which is employment, housing, and public accommodations. And potentially all three of those can impact the church. Basically, it takes the 1964 Civil Rights Act and adds two protected classes, which are sexual orientation and gender identity. So you're not allowed to use those as a means of discriminating, again, in employment, housing, and public accommodation. So what's kind of the downstream impact of that? Um, These these SOGI laws are being passed on the local and state level. In fact, um, I'm here in Georgia, and we've been working with the Georgia Baptists uh, on numerous local and city SOGI laws that are beginning to to crop up all over the place, and and not just in the metro Atlanta area, 
it's popping up in in rural areas. And we're hearing from pastors saying, whoa, this SOGI law is being passed and no one's knowing what to do about it. No one's standing up against it. Now, why is the SOGI law a problem? It's not a problem per se when it comes to, you know, Waffle House or Walmart or Delta or whatever. It's it's a problem for the church when it gets to the door of the church or what Seth and Danny were talking about earlier. Kids are off at camp right now. It's a problem when it gets to the door of a Christian camp or a Christian university or a K through 12 Christian school, because now you're dealing with very different biblical beliefs. And as a church or as a ministry, you you need all of your employees, for example, on on board with our our vision, our mission, our values, the inerrancy of God's word, Genesis one and two that says God made male and female. If you've got a deviation in that historically. You as a church are allowed to say, well, this may not be the best place for you to work because we're not in line on these things. What a SOGI law would do would make that to where you're not allowed to discriminate based on those views, again, sexual orientation and gender identity. Now, historically, a lot of these SOGI laws had what we called a religious exemption, which meant that it, it doesn't apply to the church or the mosque or the synagogue or the Christian camp, et cetera. But what we've been seeing in recent years, um, and drastically so, is these SOGI laws are being passed with no religious exemption at all, which means it does apply to your church. So if somebody who is, let's say, openly gay uh, or trans, and they come and when they want to be your youth minister, if you say, hey, because of your sexual orientation, it's not in line with how we, you know, view sexuality and marriage and 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 the family unit biblically. This may not be the best place for you to work. That individual could turn around and sue your church, and you would be in violation of the law under these SOGI laws. That's one category that we're seeing a lot of, and again, these are cropping up kind of under the cover of darkness, uh, you know, being passed in the middle of the night, kind of a thing, and and pastors are kind of unaware that these are being passed and they could impact them. If you're familiar with the cake bakers and the florists and the photographers and, you know, all of those lawsuits that you've heard about where people are not participating in same-sex weddings, they're not participating uh, in in, in same-sex marriage ceremonies or, or anything like that, they're getting in trouble under SOGI laws. So those are the laws that they're being uh, persecuted and prosecuted under. So that's one thing that pastors really need to pay attention to. And ADF, can help through the Church Alliance Partnership. That's all we do is we keep our eye uh, on those things. And so we can let you know, hey, you're in this area, you're in this city, this county, these are what you're allowed to do, not allowed to do. Uh, we can keep you aware of those. And But we also need you, your boots on the ground in ministry, and you're hopefully paying attention in your community. And again, the, a number of the SOGI laws we just saw here recently in Georgia came from pastors calling us saying, hey, you need to be aware of this. And then our attorneys were able to step in. And in a lot of the cases, we're actually able to, to work with the community to make sure that law does not pass um, so that churches and, and Christian ministries and families will not be subject to those. The second thing I've mentioned, Seth, is uh, counseling bans. We're seeing an increase of these laws that basically say you can counsel somebody into homosexuality or into changing your gender, you're not allowed to counsel them away from that. So if a consenting, we, we've had these laws in New York, 
We've had these laws. We're currently fighting a lawsuit. We're waiting for the U.S. Supreme Court to hopefully take on this case. But there are laws that we're calling counseling bans because it would prevent a, a consenting adult from coming to you and saying, I have unwanted same-sex attraction and I need help. That counselor, if they say yes, could lose their license, could lose their practice, could be fined. Now, spiritually speaking, it's not hard to figure out what's going on here. But our spiritual enemy is using the force of law to say, you're not even allowed to talk about it with people who want help, lest you lose your license. And so what Daniel was talking about earlier of, of working with students and having these open conversations and, and listening well, wonderful advice, and that is absolutely what you should do. But currently, in the professional context, and again, if you're a pastor and you've got a counseling license and one of these comes to your state or your city, that's major. In this case, we have in, in, in Washington, you may say, oh, well, that's Washington State. That's not North Carolina. That'll never happen here. Well, if our case gets to the U.S. Supreme Court and we lose, that can now signal to other states that, hey, we can pass these now, too, and the Supreme Court will back us up. And so that's a major thing that that's just a, another battlefront on this, you know, gender identity, sexual orientation front where it's it's just an onslaught on our kids. And now they're saying you can't even counsel them out of it. And we're having parental rights stuff, too. We could probably talk for an hour on that front. But it's I'm going to just reemphasize what what Daniel was saying and what North Carolina Baptists are saying is we need to be talking about these things, because one of the biggest errors that I think we as the church have made is not talking about it. But guess who is talking about it? Literally everybody else. Big tech social media, Hollywood, Netflix, their public schools, their Twitter accounts. They're, I mean, they are getting bombarded with, you can change your gender. And, and as Daniel said, I love they made this point. It's not just, hey, this is something you can do. It's who you are. It's an identity claim. And as he said, that is unlike any other sin. Mm-hmm. That's what makes this so hard to talk about. But if our kids are getting bombarded from every angle with lies, And then they come to church on Sunday or Wednesday night or Sunday night, and they're not hearing the biblical truth, then they're not hearing it. And this is what we get from pastors. They go, can you write us sermons on how to talk about this stuff? (laughs) It's like, I don't know if you want attorneys writing you sermons, lest you put everybody to sleep. (laughs) Um, But just, I want to encourage you to dig into scripture, Figure out what does God say about gender, and then let's talk about it. My generation, and I've heard this from numerous sources, millennial Christians, the ship has sailed on the marriage debate. We missed it. And there are Christians who are millennials, 35 and younger, who go, I mean, I would never have a same-sex marriage, but if you want to have a same-sex marriage, okay. Love is love. Live and let live. Christians in our churches think that way. Why? Because we were not taught why is marriage important? What is marriage? Why shouldn't you get divorced? We missed that train too. Why is it male and female? That ship has set sail. Let's not let that happen on the gender identity front. What's wonderful is God gave us Genesis 1 and 2. And I don't know about you guys, but for years, when I've read through Genesis and you read God made male and female, male and female, he created them. It kind of seemed like a, duh, 
Like what else would he have made? Of course, there's only male and female. And this is obviously years ago. Now I'm like, wow, that is God might have put that in there for all of time in the Bible, just for 2023 and beyond to make it so clear because he just states it right there. But 10 years ago, that verse to me, at least seemed a little superfluous, but now it's not. God made male and female in his own image. That's amazing. So it's there, but we're going to have to do some digging, y'all. We can't just go, well, you can't change your gender. That's weird. Like the kids are getting bombarded and we're going to need to have a good, loving, biblical response. But I would say that comes after we do a lot of listening, a lot of listening and a lot of asking good questions, as Daniel mentioned. Mm -hmm. It, It really boils down to discipleship. Yeah. Well, Harrison, man, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for everything that ADF does on the legal front, as you guys like to say, to keep the doors open for the gospel to go forward. Uh, we're really grateful for that. You've mentioned a couple times this this Church Alliance program. Uh, North Carolina Baptist and ADF uh, launched a partnership more than a year ago uh, through the Church Alliance program. Harrison, would you tell us a little bit how that works and how it benefits churches? Yes. So uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, the the goal of the Church Alliance is to help you be prepared. You need to be ready because we, you know, I don't think I need to convince any pastors at this point that uh, our culture has kind of gone off the deep end and is absolutely raging against truth. So if you're a church that believes in truth and believes in in speaking the truth and, and discipling in the truth, then you need to be as wise as a serpent and be ready. Be ready for what? Well, because these laws are changing uh, and because the culture is changing, that has an impact on your ministry. So the first thing that we can help with is your documents, your bylaws, your constitution, your statement of faith, your facility use policies, your volunteer policies. Those policies, those documents tell the court and the community Here's who we are, what we do, how we do it, and why we do it. And in those documents, you need to address all of the issues of the day, marriage, gender, sexuality, family, life, so that there's no questions on where do we stand on these things. And we can help you with that and help you point to the scripture Because if in those documents, you're saying, Your Honor, we're not not hiring somebody, for example, because they're a homosexual, because we don't like homosexuals. No, we want homosexuals here. Please come. But here's what we believe. And here's why in our hiring practices or in our volunteer practices or in, you know, our serving uh, requirements, why do we not do this? Or why do, do we do this? Well, we believe in the inerrancy of God's word. We believe in Genesis 1 and 2. We believe da, 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 da. And out of that belief flows who we are, what we do, how we do it, why we do it. And so then when, when you get in trouble on these things and you're in court, you say, this is a religious liberty. This is based on my beliefs, which are rooted in scripture. And your honor, here's all the scriptures. Then you're able to grab religious liberty. If you're not tying that back to your beliefs, it may be tough to make that connection in court. So the greatest thing you can do is get these updated and we have attorneys that can help you do that. We also give you uh, 365 access to the attorneys. So on the on the proactive side, get your docs done. On the reactive side, if something comes up, you can reach out to ADF, connect with attorney and you're never billed for those hours. 
all of this is included in in this membership that you pay pennies on the dollar for. Um, the third thing is we've got resources. We're constantly coming out with, you know, what are we hearing from pastors that they need? We then create it. We get those to our members. We just did a, a massive uh, webinar on gender identity and what the biblical understanding of gender. We pulled in um, Southern Baptists. We pulled in some other denominations to talk about these things. And then we created resources and got those out. So you kind of have the right tools in your tool belt. And then lastly, the last benefit of the Church Alliance program is representation. So court cases are very expensive. Uh, I highly doubt your church has a war chest of funds ready to go to court to defend yourself when you get in trouble for speaking the truth. Um, But ADF does. And um, thanks to our donors and our supporters, we do have that war chest so that when the church and believers get in trouble on these things, we have the funds to go to court, work their way up to the highest court in land to hopefully get not just a win for that individual or for that organization or that ministry, but that has downstream impacts on everybody. And so the the Church Alliance program, uh, you can find more information at adfchurchalliance.org forward slash NCB, as in North Carolina Baptist. That's adfchurchalliance.org forward slash NCB. The annual fee is very nominal. It's mostly subsidized by our donors. And you can find all that information on there. But we'd love to talk to you about where you're at, how we can help. Um, We really just want to come alongside you as a church from the legal side, hand in hand with North Carolina Baptist, uh, coming coming to you from the ministry side so that you've got everything that you need. Excellent. North Carolina Baptist churches, because of this partnership with ADF, they get all the benefits that you just mentioned, Harrison, at a discounted rate because of this partnership. Yes. Because of our partnership, you get an additional 20% off of the already heavily discounted. So you get an additional discount, which North Carolina Baptist has paid for for you. So please take advantage of that. Yeah. Harrison's already mentioned the the website there. If you want to learn more, adfchurchalliance.org slash NCB. We'll place that in the show notes so you can see it. And uh, you'll see the discount there and discount code of uh, NCBaptist20. should be auto-filled if you go to that link. Our hope is that your church will continue to boldly proclaim the gospel in your community, stand firmly on your convictions, and do that with confidence. Do it with confidence because you're not alone. The last thing we want is our churches shrinking back when they see the legal challenges out there. We don't want them being quiet because they're afraid of getting sued. You don't have to be quiet. Continue to proclaim the gospel boldly. You have partners right beside you here to help protect your freedom to live out your faith. Uh, That's why we love Alliance Defending Freedom. Harrison and Daniel, thank y'all so much for being here today and having this conversation. Of course. Love it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We want to be on mission together, standing for religious liberty by equipping, resourcing, and preparing your church to make disciples of all nations. NC Baptist, you can listen to more episodes just like this one at ncbaptist.org slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for joining us today. Because of your generosity to NC Baptist, this podcast along with other helpful resources, are made available for you. Learn more by visiting ncbaptist.org slash gift.